It's the Auburn Observer Podcast, the weekend edition, the recap edition, the double recap edition, that is. Um, Justin Ferguson here in Auburn, Alabama. Painter Sharpless checking in from parts unknown. Painter, how are we doing? I can't complain. You know, I'm a big weather guy. I'm a weather boy, a weather head. Mm-hmm. And boy, it has taken a turn, folks. It has taken, it's taken a turn. A turn. Uh, we can rule out the fact that you don't live in Auburn anymore. And I'm going to go ahead and rule out the fact that you don't live in Buffalo, New York anymore or ever. You've never lived in Buffalo. Although I think you would like living in Buffalo. Um, that the amount of snow there is just like, yeah, people shouldn't, people shouldn't have to live in that. (laughs) Like that's, that's not right. It is funny that like, it's not a big city. It's a city, but not a big city. So it's one of those things where the people there, like in a lot of places, that aren't these major markets, they're kind of defensive, you know, they're, they're proud of it. And it's not right. totally unlike Auburn. Auburn's one of the smaller towns in terms of uh, the SEC schools. And so I think there's a certain level of defensiveness about it. And, and also I do think there's like a general level of camaraderie that living in a place where the weather can be that bad, like it creates. And you see this from time to time with, um, with like some of the photos and videos coming out of people like clearing out players driveways or like helping them get to you know helping them get get out so they can go to the airport since they can't play that game in buffalo um so i don't i don't know if it's a a great comparison but there are elements of like the small town auburn thing um and sort of i think how protective people can be of auburn and I, i think buffalo has some of that too and and i guess like buffalo shares media markets with essentially I guess this may be a stretch, but they share media markets with the Jets and the Giants, and they, they get way more national coverage. And Auburn, of course, shares the state with Alabama, who gets way more coverage. Yeah, and then like if you go into like the Columbus market, they they cover Georgia. Obviously, a lot of folks who are Auburn people live in Atlanta. Obviously, the dogs dominate there as well. So yeah, it's a pretty good comparison. It's a pretty good comparison. Um, Let's see the the Bills having to having to travel to play somewhere else uh, instead of their home game this weekend. Auburn, it was just cold. It was just cold in Auburn uh, this weekend, and uh, the Auburn Football Tigers coming out with a forty-one seventeen victory over the Western Kentucky Hilltoppers. Uh, Painter, I, I I tweeted this late uh, Saturday night. It's a weird stat, but I want y'all to bear with me here. Auburn beat Western Kentucky on Saturday by 24 points. It's the biggest margin of victory for the Tigers against a team that will finish the regular season with a winning record, an FBS team that will finish the season with a winning record record since a 49-10 victory over Mississippi State in 2017. By margin of victory and by what was expected, Auburn was, what, a four-point favorite, five-point favorite, maybe up to six in some places by the end of this game uh, or by the start of this game. They went by 24. One could argue that this was the most impressive win Auburn's had in, in, a, in a while um, in terms of getting it right. And, you know, definitely, I mean, you look at the biggest wins of, of the Brian Harson era, and there weren't very many of them. It was, you know, a lot of close calls. Um, you know, the LSU game, the Arkansas game um, are ones that, you know, kind of stand out there. But, to beat a team like Western Kentucky like this by 24, um, you know, that wasn't a given. This was supposed to be a dogfight for four quarters, and it was still close heading into the fourth quarter. 
but Auburn put the pedal down in this one, and it's a big win for the Tigers over the Hilltoppers. Cadillac Williams, as our friend Josh Dubb pointing out uh, last night, is guaranteed to finish with a better winning percentage as head coach than Brian Harson. Um, so yeah, that's a, that's a pretty that's a pretty funny stat for sure. Um, let's get right into it. Uh, I, I think this game's a lesson. You know, I wrote about it earlier in the week at the Observer, and I even found myself talking myself out of it during the game. Auburn in the first half did not have a whole lot of success running the ball. Um, they broke a couple of decent runs, uh, but that was about it. 3.7 yards per carry in the first half on 19 on, on 19 attempts. Um, at one point, Auburn was averaging less than two yards a carry on first down in this game. Western Kentucky, I think, learned a lot from what Missouri did a few weeks ago against Auburn. And, you know, being very aggressive with their linebackers, you know, and, and um, their edges crashing hard, really overplaying the run because they knew it was coming from Auburn. Got like Williams said, he got into the locker room and the staff challenged the offensive line. Hey, y'all are getting your butts kicked. Uh, although I, I asked Kellen Zero about that after the game, and he was like, I don't know if we were getting our butts kicked, but we needed to play better. Um, he said, hey, Tank Bigsby, Jarquez Hunter, you guys got to break some more tackles. Y'all got to keep, y'all got to keep fighting. You can't can't go down that easily. We need you to power through it here. And even though it was like not working as well, and and it was getting predictable, obviously, as as we've talked about, Panthers, like, what else are you going to do if you're Auburn at this point? You're not throwing the ball consistently. I mean, we continue to praise. Robbie Ashford for being a gamer, for stepping into a tough situation, for making runs, for making scrambles happen. Uh, you know that's what he's good at. He made he made a few really good throws uh, on on Saturday, but it's just inconsistent. He's less than fifty percent of a passer again, uh, and it just Auburn went away from that in the second half, and it still worked. It it was a case of like you know what we're stronger, we're deeper, we're we're more talented. This stuff's going to work, and it's going to work on both sides of the ball. So once again, Cadillac Williams says after the game, like, I know y'all want to talk about halftime adjustments. He's like, yeah, we tweaked some things. We went back to some stuff that we thought was going to work early, and it just didn't for whatever reason. So, But the real difference was Auburn seniors got in there, and uh, they had a heart-to-heart with their with their teammates uh, in the locker room, and it kind of motivated them to say, hey, we got to play a whole lot better than this. This is this is not This is not what we are. And lo and behold, Auburn scores 24 unanswered in the second half, uh, running the ball a ton in it. Um, they only threw the ball four times after halftime, which still worked. Um, nearly eight yards per carry. Uh, Tank Bigsby had a big touchdown run. Jarquez Hunter had a big touchdown run. Both of those guys over 100 yards uh, for the second game in a row, which is huge. Uh, and the defense just, once again, second-half defense. We've seen it against Mississippi State. We saw it against Texas A&M. Now we've seen it against Western Kentucky. Whatever Jeff Schmetting and uh, that staff is doing after halftime is is definitely working uh, because they shut out Western Kentucky. They get two turnovers, um, including a touchdown. Uh, you know from uh, from DJ James. Uh, the pass rush gets home late. I mean, just everything you wanted Auburn to do, it just started clicking really, really well uh, in the second half on both sides of the ball and. It, it, Pater, they just stuck to their guns. They didn't. They didn't change anything. It was just kind of one of those things where they looked around and said, "We believe in our game plan. This is what we should be doing. We just haven't done it yet. We just got to go out there and do it." 
And I think they did that, and, and on top of it, they just wore a Western Kentucky team down, which, by the way, this is Western Kentucky's 12th game of the year. They played Hawaii. Um, they played Hawaii in week one, which gives them a 13th game. It's like some weird NCAA rule that you get. So, I mean, like, they're they're already set. Um, you know, they've already played a full season at this point. And, you know, I think Auburn's Auburn's depth and, and talent just wore, wore them down in the, in the second half, and, and it was a big it was a big win. You're not going to see a lot of folks beating their chests about this win. Um, it's not a Power Five school, so but ba- like basically brands, you know. But I mean, but historically, there's some merit to that. I don't think I wasn't surprised by the way things went in the first half, but it didn't make it didn't make it any like more reassuring. Um, and it's nice, you know. I saw it kind of made me laugh. Like the ticker on ESPN said uh, Auburn, you know, forty one. Western Kentucky 17. Then in parentheses, they had uh, score tied at halftime Auburn, you know, with final 24 points. And um, I was, first I was like, that's kind of a funny thing to add in. Um, yes, of course, we scored the last 24 points. That's how that goes. But then I was like, I guess some context there matters. Like if you check that game at halftime, you're like, oh, Auburn's in a rock fight. But like, And then you looked again later, you might be kind of surprised to see, oh, well, maybe mm-hmm. that wasn't, yeah. maybe that wasn't much to worry about at all and I think my feeling on it was like actually yes I am worried about this game all week I was like you know this is not something we're going to be able to skip into and just assume it's going to go our way and yet it did in the second half because under Cadillac Williams Auburn has just been a second half team I mean you remember you remember how bad they were in second halves under Brian Harson? like and and you don't it's not just this season remember the last really good win Brian Harson had against Ole Miss and how Auburn got nothing in the second half and had to hold on for dear life to win that game. Yeah, like this this team just it's it's different at halftime. Whatever is being said in that locker room, and Cadillac said after the game that was more of a senior led thing. Guys like Derek Hall, Colby Wood, Owen Papo, um, you know, Shedder Jackson, some guys on offense stepping up, the offensive linemen, like that was the difference in this game. But like it, it it's a huge change. Because Auburn has figured out, you know, kind of get a feeling out process, but, you know, they were a better football team than Texas A&M. I think we can all say say that by now, considering Texas A&M played a really ugly one with UMass yesterday, uh, which is the arguably the worst team even, in FBS. The story there is yeah. not even the game, which in itself is embarrassing enough, but it's that crowd. crowd. Yeah. And Kyle Field seats like, 600,000 people, I think. So, you know, it, it was very obvious when that, when, when that place emptied out. Apparently that apparently it was like halftime, the band performed, and it was like, all right, everybody, let's go home. It's cold. This team sucks. We're probably not getting rid of Jimbo. Price of oil is going down. It's not great. Um, but, yeah, this is uh, this was a, a, a game for, for Auburn. And Mississippi State, too, I think you were just – you're a – you're a more talented team and you're a deeper team in the second half. And I think mistakes cost Auburn that one on short rest and or short prep and all that. But it's that second half team where Auburn just kind of gets to be Auburn. I think there's a good parallel between that and Auburn's basketball team, which we'll talk about in, in the second half of the show. But yeah, they, they stuck to their guns and like full credit goes to um, Will Friend and Cadillac and, and Ike Hilliard. Those guys are just like, you know, there's no reason to try to get into a passing war with with Western Kentucky. 
Um, there was no reason to kind of speed the thing up. And when Auburn finally started moving the ball in the second half, you know, they got a – it was two three and outs, and then they got the ball um, – I believe it was off the interception. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. It was, it was right after the interception. So they get the ball back. Ten minutes left to go in the third quarter. They drive. They had the throw from um, Robbie Ashford to Javarius Johnson, which was a good play. Um, you know, got him into the red zone. Bad snap. Takes him out of it. McPherson hits a field goal. But then after that, Armour gets the ball back with another quick drive. They go seven. They go seven plays for seventy-eight yards and a touchdown. Uh, and on that drive, um, you get uh, you get Jarquez Hunter breaking a ten-yard carry. You get Robbie Astrid on third down. You get Robbie Astrid taking a keeper nineteen yards for a first down on third down. And then boom, Tank Bigsby gets the big play, gets down the sideline and scores. They and Auburn's up by ten. Fourth quarter comes. Auburn, you know, goes back and forth a little bit. Auburn forces a turnover on downs, and then Jarquez Hunter gets his big play after a tank big run. And it's just like, okay, it clicked. It's not pretty. It's not going to win you a lot of style points. Again, another parallel to this to this football team. As Cadillac Williams said after the game, it's like, yeah, we're getting old school big boy football out there. I mean, there's there's a lot of like 2004 out there for Auburn. Last week it was like literal 2004 people out there. This game. I mean, we haven't mentioned it yet. Cadillac Williams, they draw up the play that Cadillac scored on in the 2004 Georgia game. Same side of the field, nearly the same time in the second quarter. Different opponent, of course. Different stakes. But uh, a halfback toss pass from Jarquez Hunter to Coy Moore. Um, Again, wasn't the prettiest thing in the world, but it was effective. Scored a touchdown. And they, they just went back to... Hammered it away in there. They put fullbacks on the field, multi tight ends. They went under center. They went I four. They went offset eye a couple times. They went. They, they turned back the clock, and that is what Calic Williams is f- most familiar with. As what Will Friend is familiar with, I think that's some of what you know. Considering his past in the NFL, I think that's some of what I Killyard's familiar with. And it's like, yeah. If you were building a team out and saying, like, this is going to be our identity on offense, this is who we're going to be moving forward, no, that's not an offense that necessarily is going to excite a lot of people, and people are going to want to see innovation. and stuff. But even still, you got some innovation, you got some tweaks in the second half to that formula, and it just worked. It's just do whatever it takes to win. And this one it says, you know, Cadillac had a great quote after the game. He said, um... One thing the really good coaches got in common is getting the ball to their best players. It's not about what system we run. I'm a firm believer that you've got to do what's best for your team, the strength of your team. So if that's us lining up and running different ways and using Robbie with his legs to run the football, right now, that's what we're at. And it's a little different, obviously, when you're an interim head coach and making those calls than a permanent head coach. But again, how many times in in the first two months of the season where Auburn fans begging to just be like, you know what, you're not throwing the ball well. doesn't matter who the quarterback is. doesn't matter who's lining up at wide receiver. It's not really working that much. Auburn's got to get to running the ball and just sticking with it and seeing what happens. And I know the offensive line struggled, and I know the offensive line had their got off to a slow start in this game. It isn't magically going to fix anything. But sticking to what you know and sticking to what's best and just saying, hey, 
four and 27 are probably your two best offensive players. Get those dudes the rock as many different ways as you can and just let it sort sort itself out and be, be, be fine with whatever result comes from there. That's what they've done. And shout out to Cadillac Williams and this interim staff handler for like, it's, it doesn't have to get complicated. It's just, what's the best way we can do to get these guys, the ball in their hands and they've done it. And, you know, this is a stretch now where Auburn has rushed for more than 250 yards in three straight games. Uh, the last time that happened was 2016. The time before that that it happened was 2013 against Georgia and Alabama and Missouri in the SEC title game. So, I mean, we're talking about it's not a murderer's row of defensive talent that Auburn's gone up against. We're talking about this, this Auburn team, though, that has could not run the ball effectively at all in the first couple months of the season outside of that Ole Miss game turning into nope this is what we're going to do you're just going to have to stop it and I think it's just a lot of heart and a lot of drive from your running backs and your offensive line to make it work Cadillac's quote wasn't a shot at Harson, although there is some subtext to what Brian Harson did unsuccessfully as head coach that was not working it's like almost a stubbornness to prove he was the smartest guy in the room. And Auburn's interim staff is like, hey, we know what gives us a prayer. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, they absolutely do. And for, like, Robbie Ashford, like, yeah, it would be a whole lot better if Robbie Ashford was consistent throwing the ball. He's not. He's just not at that point. And Cadillac like stuck, stuck up for him after the game and said, you know what? Dude didn't play football hardly for three straight years. Um, and he's he's raw. He's very, very raw. He's had some throws. I mean, that fourth down on that first drive that Auburn had that they scored on, where it was fourth and fourth and I think it was fourth and five, maybe a little bit shorter than that, and they just went one-on-one coverage, read it with Shed, boom, hit hit a hit a quick. I mean, that's the kind of stuff you want to see him do. He did move the chains with some legs. He did make some good throws uh, in this game. It's just you know the best case Auburn has right now is if they have a quarterback who is as much of a rushing threat as the running backs with them in the backfield and yeah you know that's uh that's that's just the way they're going to be and I think like whoever the next head coach is that's going to be a you know who who you who you get with your quarterback and how you handle that moving forward I mean there's so much that can change in that you're in the portal era and it's so big especially a quarterback and you've got other you know you've got a guy in Holden Garner who you know is just going to be a, a second year player Ashford, I I don't think the book's completely written on on Ashford, uh, Ashford yet as a quarterback. I think he's such a unique situation, um, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, this is uh, stick to your guns, do what works, and you know I think when you go into the Iron Bowl next week, something that Galax said after the game, he was like, "Look, I told our guys we're going to play our hardest and put our best effort in there, and it might not be enough to win, but." At least we're going to do enough to feel like we're going to be we're going to be pleased with what what we did. And again, that's going to be running the ball. And teams that have committed to running the ball against Alabama have, I mean, that's been their best case of of moving it. Unless you're Tennessee, uh, and don't worry, Tennessee, we'll get to you in a little bit. Um, but yeah, this is this is the way they they needed to go defensively. The change that has been made for Auburn since. Um, the departure of of Brian Harson has been remarkable. Like Jeff Schmetting, think about how tough this stretch has been for Jeff Schmetting 
as the only Boise guy that's still there. And yet his defense has played a lot better these last few weeks. They're rotating more up front. They've had some injuries. Western Kentucky, that that air raid team, when you have a team that's very confident in what they do and they play as fast as they do, they're going to hit some shots on you. They're gonna they're gonna hit some shots downfield on you, and and that the end of the second quarter was just not very good. Um, and the senior said, you know, in the locker room after the game, they looked around at each other and said, like, we know we can do better than this guy's. Like, stick to the game plan. We're running this kind of coverage. We got to win more up front. We got to tackle better in space. If we do that, we'll pull it off. And it was one of those games where I think with the amount of seniors on that on that defense, Owen, Derek. Um, you know, uh, Colby Wooden's not, he's a redshirt junior, but he came in with all these guys and he made it clear that this was his last game at Jordan Hare and he's going to be going pro, which obviously makes a ton of sense. He's probably going to be a day two guy, um, in the league in the draft coming up. So, but it's like they all came together and said, okay, all right, let's quit messing around. Um, let's play the defense that we think that, that we're capable of playing. And in the second half, Western Kentucky's drives go, Interception, punt, 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 turnover on downs, interception, turnover on downs. They have answered the bell. And, again, it's not – they didn't reinvent stuff. They didn't blitz more. They didn't really change a whole lot. They just stuck to saying, hey, we're going to have to keep playing quarters coverage. We're going to have to be sticky uh, sticky with it. And then, you know, tackle better in space. Get some more pressure if you can on the, on the defensive front. They wore them down. You know, that last drive, your final two sacks of the game come from a redshirt freshman in Dylan Brooks and a walk-on senior in Hayden Bryce. How incredible is that? He gets his last opportunity to make a play in Jordan Hare. gets his first career sack on his last play. It's got to be such a cool feeling uh, for Bryce, who, um, you know, he was a guy that, you know, uh, he was a guy that, if I remember correctly, um, he started his career. Yeah, he started his career at tight end and just moved to to edge because of how thin Auburn was. Um, you know, didn't play in 2020, didn't play in 2021. Um, and yet he got an opportunity to to you know finish it with a on a high. And that defense deserves a lot of credit. That defense is going to look a lot different yet next year with the amount of of people that are leaving. Um, but. Yeah, the, the last month has kind of been the more of the defense painter. We talked about it all offseason long. I was high on this Auburn defense. I thought they were going to be a really good unit, and they didn't for the first half of the year, and they really didn't in, in Harson's last game. But in the last month, it hasn't been perfect. They've given up some big plays. They've given up some points and some, and some stretches where it hasn't looked great. But more often than not, they've done their job on the back on the back end and, and, and winning up front, and that's exactly what they needed to do in this game. You are afforded some leeway as interim head coach taking over for a bad team that you do not get as the full-time head coach. However, the authenticity and at times vulnerability Cadillac has shown makes this entire experience feel so much better given that we know the team is still bad and you know, in its current form, not that exciting at the same time. Like the excitement over the last few weeks has rivaled some really big games in some big seasons. And there have been some actual improvements since you made that coaching change. Yeah. They're running the ball a lot more effectively. Their defense is playing better. It's good complimentary football. It's not going to win you a lot of style points, 
doesn't really matter. I mean, I think again, we'll parallel that to the basketball team. I think early in the season for basketball, they're not they're not focused on all that. They're trying to work a lot of stuff out. At this point for Auburn football, it's you're not w- working stuff out. You're just get, getting to the finish line. And kind of like I said it uh, several times during the um, during the last few weeks, he's like, look, we know we don't have the depth. We know we might not be as talented as, as most teams are, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He said, but if we play with really good effort and, and intensity, we can make up for a lot of it on defense. And defense is one of those, of those things where effort and just tenacity can take you a long way. Um, you know, it's, it's offense is more about execution. Defense is more about effort. You know, obviously there's elements of both that are crucial on both sides, but on defense, it's like, if everybody can just play that effort, you can overcome some gaps. You can overcome some, some deficiencies with that. And they've done it. And that's a senior led group. Those guys getting up in the locker room at halftime and saying, Hey, we gotta, we got, we've got to be a lot better. Wake up. Quit playing selfishly. Quit playing. Quit making boneheaded plays. You know better than this. We're not going to do this on senior night. This is it for a lot of these guys. Knock it off. And they did it. And they went out and did it. And they won the battle in the trenches. And Western Kentucky, look, they were down 17-3 early. They just gotten a they just gotten a, a trick play dropped on their heads. They didn't finish drives in the first half really well. Um, but they hung in there and they fought and they had a real chance at halftime. I mean, they had it. They had all the energy, all the momentum at halftime. And then Auburn came out and just chipped away at it, chipped away at it. And then hit, hit a couple knockout blows in the fourth quarter. I mean, they, they, they fought hard and it's just Auburn's just, that's an sec team and that's a conference USA team. And that's what it looked like in the second half. Um, not to say that conference USA teams can't beat sec teams, Western Kentucky, by the way, they were going, trying to go for their fifth win over an SEC team in 10 years, which is huge, huge for them. Um, you know, they almost beat Indiana earlier this year. And I know Indiana has not been great, but it still would have been a win over a Power 5 opponent. And, and for for Western, a team that's really close to them uh, geographically. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot of credit to that. And, like, yeah, they threw the ball a ton at Western Kentucky. I wrote about this in the observations. This is why... Total stats, total yards is a bad stat. Uh, Western Kentucky outgained Auburn, 396 to 374, but Auburn had more yards per play by a a, a, a play and a half, a yard and a half. Sorry, um, they got 10 percent more of the available yardage in this game, so they moved the ball more efficiently uh, than Western Kentucky did. Western Kentucky ran 88 plays. Those guys were going so fast. Auburn ran 62. It was very much a old school versus new school. It was fast pace, up tempo, underdog, air raid, 2022 offense against, again, the best cosplay of a 2004 Auburn team that you can come up with if you're Auburn. It's like, yep, this is Tupperville era. This is what you got to do. It's simple, but it's good. You know, it can be effective and it's working. It's just a kind of a turn back the clock. And that's, there's a lot of respect there. As much as Western Kentucky took to the skies in that game, they threw for 300 yards combined in this one. They completed well under 50% of their passes. I think it was about they finished the game at around five yards in attempt, maybe a little more than five yards in attempt. Those are really good numbers against an air raid. Auburn stepped up and figured it out in the second half and made life very difficult. Um, and also, side note, 
How cool would it have been for Marcus Bragg to get home on that pass rush to to start that DJ James uh, pick six against his old team? He had talked about how much he was looking forward to playing his his old teammates. You know, it's his last ride, and he went to Auburn to get an opportunity to play on a bigger stage. The season hasn't gone like a lot of these guys who came to Auburn or stayed at Auburn had wanted it to go. But given that effort, given that energy um, down the stretches, it was really cool to see. And so they did that. Um, you know, there were only uh, – uh, Western Kentucky had a guy. They were hitting him with screens early. Western Kentucky had a guy who caught 12 passes for 99 yards. According to stat broadcast, he had 111 yards after catch. So that tells you he was catching a ton of them behind the line of scrimmage uh, in that one. Uh, they had one guy who had the only two touchdowns of the game for them through the air. I mean, they had some breakdowns. They had some plays not go their way, but you can't expect to completely shut down an air raid team. But what Auburn did a good job of in this game, like North Texas who blew them out a few weeks ago, was, okay, you're not going to get a ton of huge plays. You know how many you know how many explosive plays Western Kentucky had in the second half of this game? Two. You know how many, had in the, you know how many they had in the first half? Ten. They just kept the top on everything and made sure that they weren't going to get beat. They tackled a lot better. A defense deserves a lot of credit. Uh, and what a way for, for a lot of that. A senior-laden, a veteran-led group on the defensive side of the ball step up and make that play. So 41-17 for Auburn. Again, it's going to be a memorable game, I think, that people are going to look back. Cadillac getting back-to-back wins. He came into the postgame uh, press conference saying, "Woo." Two and zero in Jordan Hare, you know, and if and if this is it for Cadillac Williams uh, as the inter, as as a head coach, and and I think a lot of us think that's going to be the case that Auburn's going to bring in somebody on a permanent basis. Cadillac had a great quote about it. he's like I, whoever the new head coach is, y'all y'all get them whoever. He's like I don't care. He's like, what job I have doesn't dictate. He said my seat doesn't dictate my service. And I think that's a really cool quote about how, like, he's just continuing. Like, he's doing a lot of the same stuff he did as a running backs coach. He's just doing it for a bigger bigger audience and a bigger um, bigger amount of responsibility. Um, but, yeah, if Cadillac Williams never, is never a head coach at Auburn ever again after the, after the Iron Bowl this weekend, he'll be undefeated in Jordan-Hare. And uh, really, really cool, really, really cool to see that. Uh, happen and again Auburn finished had eight eight home games this year they finished with a winning record in Jordan Hare I'm just gonna say it if you don't make that coaching change you don't get that you don't get that mark not not the way Auburn was playing down the stretch under Harson and you know I'll I'll own it I'll wear it we had talked about during October it's like well how much tangible value could you really get from firing Harson at this point in the year with the season the way it's going Dead wrong. These last two weeks, and really the Mississippi State comeback as well, showed me that you know there is a lot of value into it, and there's a lot of energy and a lot of excitement around the program that I don't think Painter. I don't think it would have been the same if they had just kind of faded out here in 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 2022. Sure, whoever the next head coach is, people would have gotten fired up for. But like the next guy's stepping into a situation where there's going to be a lot of excitement, a lot of buzz around the program. Did you see how – we talked about a m saw how many places around the SEC where nobody was at the game or nobody really cared and it was just kind of lackadaisical or, you know, they kind of, you know, didn't make it work. And in this game, you know, outside of some pockets in the – some yeah, there were some big pockets in the in the upper deck. 
but the bowl was mostly full and it was a good crowd. It was a really, really good crowd. It was a loud crowd. And, uh, all those, all those students, all those fans got to see one more time, just got, got to see Auburn win and not just win, but win going away and have a celebration like that. This is why people should want to come to and coach at Auburn. Like it's that support. It's that level. Very little Cadillac could have done as the interim coach to make this experience go better. Um, you know, you get a win over Alabama, as unlikely as it is, uh, it would it would put the cherry on top. But I think in terms of how he's handled himself, the way the team has played, the effort, some of the improvements, um, how the season and the second halves in particular sort of compare to what you got previously, um, his personality compared to the prior guy, which may not matter in the grand scheme of things, but when you make a coaching change, you're typically – Fans are ready to go in a different direction, whether that be personality or scheme. Um, and the vibe of whatever that means in this case of Cadillac is a lot different than Brian Harson. on top of the fact that he's one of your own. So uh, I, I don't think this was ever an audition for Cadillac to become Auburn's head coach. I don't think he's going to be Auburn's head coach. I understand why some people think that's appealing. Man, like you could not have asked for a better one, I think a better decision by the people who, because I, I was under the impression it might be Etheridge when all this yeah. happened. I don't know what I was basing that off of, but I sort of thought they'd go with Etheridge. And then what's happened is like he could not have in, in the last few weeks represented the school better and given the fan base something to rally around, given that this is a bad team. Yeah, this is this is a team that you know did not get it done this year in so many different ways, but yet they played a whole lot better down the stretch. I mean, this has been a better football team. And if Auburn played like this all season long, I mean, you're talking about potentially beating LSU. You're talking about potentially beating Ole Miss, maybe. You're you're in a position where this would have been a team that would have stepped forward and would have made some, some improvements this season. Uh, you know, and I, it's just – it shows you what coaching can do. It, can sh- it shows you what um, – you know, just what, what the right leadership in place it is. And, and I think it's just kind of more and more the point that, you know, I don't think Brian Harson is a bad football coach. I think he was just a bad football coach for what Auburn needed, and it was just not a good fit. And so the fact that you get a guy who's never been a head coach before getting this and an interim staff getting this out of it, it's just, okay, fit over resume, fit over resume, fit over resume. Speaking of the impending coaching change at Auburn, Let's talk about what happened between Ole Miss and Arkansas last night. Let's set the stage for you, folks. This has been a coaching search for Auburn that has had not very much information leak out. There's been a lot of, you know, there hasn't been a lot of concrete stuff, I should say. That's probably the best way to put it. And there are folks who have covered coaching searches both nationally and locally here for a long time that haven't had the same kind of scoop that they've had in the past. And that's nothing against them. I think it's more to do, I think it's all to do really, with the way that John Cohen and Auburn is handling this coaching search. Um, but through it all, Lane, the interest in Lane Kiffin has been pretty high from the beginning. You know, from the moment Brian Harson was fired, it seemed that Kiffin was the number one candidate. That was, I mean... Pretty much everybody has kind of said it to this point. There's nothing real concrete on that, you know, in terms of like an offer or anything like that. 
that has been widely reported or anything. However, let's point something out here. Ole Miss, reportedly, a couple days ago, was offering Lane Kiffin a raise to make him one of the ten highest paid coaches in college football. That wouldn't have been too big of a raise. I don't know if there was an ever an exact figure out there. But the word was that, hey, Ole Miss was wanting, and they have recently re-upped with Kiffin. Um, they want to keep Kiffin around. They wanted to be their guy moving forward. Here's here's the thing, and this is not an original thought from me. This is something that spawned out of a discussion with Nathan King uh, at Auburn Undercover. He made a really good point. It was like, look, the closer and closer we get to the Egg Bowl on Thursday night, and you haven't heard anything officially from Ole Miss about an extension or anything like that, the more it feels like this might be Lane Kiffin moving to Auburn and making and making that leap. That all happened before the game, and then the game itself. Ole Miss did not look. Uh, Ole Miss was getting thumped, thumped, whatever word I want to use there. They were getting smacked by Arkansas early, and they came back in the second half and they made it more competitive. They ran. It was like it was this crazy amount. They ran for like four something. And still lost, which is wild to think about. Um, after the game, here's a quote. Uh, Brandon Marcello, uh, our friend, who has been, I will say this, uh, Brandon was on lane as the number one target from the very beginning of the search. He was in Arkansas. He lives in Arkansas. He, he covered this game, and he said, um, this is a quote when I from, from Brandon, for full context, Lane Kiffin's quote when I asked about the reports that I have him as Auburn's top target. He said, fair question. Like I said, I love being here. I mean, I don't want to look to next year already with a regular season game remaining. But this is not one of those years where you're going to say you're going to lose all these guys. There's a lot of people coming back and a lot of new guys offensively especially. So, very excited about the future. I don't know that stuff out there, number one stuff. Maybe if they watch the first half, I wouldn't be number one anymore then. Uh, classic Lane. Great, great job there, bud. Um, again, like – I. I still believe that Auburn is it, it, it it's not going to come down to a money thing. We know Auburn can offer more uh money than Ole Miss can. Uh did you see the tweets from the NIL guy uh last week painter? Did you see that? Which guy? There was an NIL collective guy at Ole Miss. There were some tweets that were that were discovered by Auburn folks um sometime last week like Wednesday or Thursday last week. And it was basically like um, they were talking about NIL, and it was like, yeah, we handed out all these things, these things for like QR codes, like scan these QR codes to you know go to our site and make a decision. He was like, it was like only a few hundred of the thousands we passed out were were scanned. There's only two full time people on staff with us, and it's just like, and like these, it's like Auburn fans pouncing on it, and then Ole Miss fans being like, please delete this, please take this down. This is this is not a good look. So you know the money's the money's and the resources are just clearly higher at Auburn than they are at Ole Miss. They always have been. No, no, um, no that's not what people told me. I'm hearing it well, more and more from people who have well, no rooting interest in Ole Miss. That this is just objective hard truths. Yeah, uh, and we talked about that on the on the last podcast, which is I just I still don't get it. Um, but yeah, it's it's 
Auburn it can offer more resale. I think it won't be a financial thing. The other thing is, in the state of Mississippi, the maximum amount of an extension that you can sign legally is four years. So if that's something in play, Auburn will have an edge there. I don't know if it's going to be Lane Kiffin. I'm not guaranteeing it's going to be Lane Kiffin by any means. I still think he's Auburn's number one target, and I think Auburn's going to put him in a position to say yes or no. He is, like he said in that quote, he does have a good thing going at Ole Miss. And I know they didn't win last night, but they've got a lot coming back. He's built uh, – I mean, he's in a spot right now where he can end up being Ole Miss's best coach ever. But what does he want? What does he really want to – I mean, those are all decisions they've got to answer for themselves. But having your team look like they just didn't really have it when, when a week in a week where only – Things have gotten hotter in terms of your speculation for you to another job, and your team puts out an effort like that, and you got the other fan base chanting Auburn at you during the game, and then you come out after the game and say, "Hey, the future's bright here." It doesn't shut down, you know. And I think Lane takes the policy of like, "Oh, we don't comment on rumors or stuff like that," you know, about about jobs jobs or anything like that. Doesn't come out and completely shut it down again. Like I said. Ole Miss could come out in the next few days and say, hey, we got Lane Kiffin, he's our guy, here's an extension, bam, rubber stamp it on it. But if we get to the Egg Bowl and you haven't heard that, that's going to make things really interesting. Again, not a guarantee that it's Auburn, not a guarantee that he's going to make that move, but it just it it makes the situation even more interesting because if Lane Kiffin, I think if Lane Kiffin wants to stay at, all, at Ole Miss and wants to be there long term, especially after a loss like that to Arkansas, Get the people juiced back up before the Egg Bowl with an extension. If not, so keep an eye on that. Keep keep an eye on that. So, yeah, yeah I mean, like, the only I thing it. I would add to that is, like, you could crush all of this talk right now by being like, I'm staying. Yeah, yeah. You no, could I, stop he this conversation to, he completely. he tweets about everything. Remember the last time Auburn had an opening and he was, like, posting pictures of him in the airport in Birmingham or something <laughs> like that? He's like, oh, yeah, you know. Or he was like, I think it was here. I think he posted a screen because they were recruiting the kid from Opelika. Like, you know, <laughs> he, he does this junk, and it just hasn't been as much this time around, which is very, very interesting. Secondly, yes, I get it, Auburn fans. You see that performance over the weekend, and some of you are not on the lane train. And you'll be like, do we really want Lane Kiffin? One, don't overreact to one one performance. Two, everybody's kind of taking L's. If you're trying to find a coach that hasn't, like, like if you're trying to find a coach that hasn't had a bad loss this season or hasn't lost reach, like it's hard to find. Like unless you're Georgia or Ohio State or Michigan, yeah, that's it. And Ohio State has had a couple of close calls this year. They didn't lose. Michigan almost lost to Illinois. Yep. Uh, Georgia had their scare against Missouri. So it's like you know. And this was something I, I wish I'd gotten this on the record as a professional takes haver. Um, I talked to some friends in my circle about this. I always wondered if, you know, Lane is kind of this, um, people like where he's at at Ole Miss. He's different. He actually shows a little personality. It's kind of an interesting contrast because, like, he's not this super necessarily, like, gregarious or bubbly guy, but, like, he is willing to say funny things, and he acts differently than a lot of these pretty kind of boring coaches, quite honestly. I think he's the closest thing to Spurrier that the league's had since Spurrier. The, the way he's covered right now is in a pretty positive light because he's doing some things at a program that doesn't normally have this success. Plus, he has that bit of personality. Plus, 
Um, what he does is fun. Like the offense they run is a fun thing to watch. And I wondered and, how and that also, would change if he ended up, if it became clear he was going to be Auburn's coach or if he becomes Auburn's coach. Like there is a difference in the way, especially national people are going to talk about the cute stuff happening at Ole Miss, a program that doesn't usually do this versus, oh, the crazy people at Auburn. And secondly, I would also point out the per, the perception and the narrative around Lane Kiffin can switch in an instant because, remember, when he got fired on the tarmac at USC, people thought he was a joke. It took him turning Alabama's offense into a true 21st century death machine to get people back up. And then FAU, he turned FAU into something. He's made Ole Miss more fun. Again, but like I'm going back to it. If you're looking for results... And with recent results, I mean, who are you looking at? Who are you looking at that doesn't have a have a bad loss this year? I mean, let's just let's just throw out let's just throw out some of the names here that just have been speculated. This week, you heard more about uh, James Franklin, who we know James Franklin, pretty good performance in Jordan Hare Stadium this year with the team. Um, you know, got beat by twenty four at Michigan, lost by thirteen against Ohio State at home this year. Other than that, they've been a pretty good team. Um, you know, last season they lost that weird, what was it, like eight overtime game or whatever to um, nine overtime game to Illinois where nobody could score. Um, you know, fell apart at the back half of the season. All right. Dabo Sweeney, that the weird big fish that people have talked about that, you know, oh, maybe, maybe Auburn, maybe Auburn could reach out to Dabo. You know, apparently Oklahoma did that a few weeks uh, or last year when they were in their search. Maybe he feels like he's tapped out at Clemson. All right, here you go. Do we remember what Notre Dame did to Clemson here recently? Okay. Lane's got a thing like that on his record. I mean, it's pretty much everybody at this point. You know, I think Dave Aranda would be a great coach for anybody. Baylor's taken some tough losses this season. Came close yesterday beating TCU, but that happened. Again, like, yeah. I guess you'd throw TCU in there. If you're not TCU or Ohio State or Michigan or Georgia, you're you're you've taken some losses. Everyone was singing the praises, uh, and and rightfully so, of what uh, Tennessee's done. And they get they get pasted last night by South Carolina. They gave up 63. I know Hennon Hooker got hurt in that game, but that defense gave up 63 to South Carolina. South Carolina, I mean, Shane Beamer's figured it out, man. They're not consistently great, but when they turn it on, they look really, really impressive. And then, of course, I would point out that Hugh Freeze has lost back-to-back games to UConn and a Virginia Tech team where, yes, they're an ACC team, but Virginia Tech, I know you know this, Painter, has they been are real bad, bad this season. They are, they are bad. very bad. So, again, that's my, my point. Not picking on any one of those coaches compared to others, just saying, like, you can talk yourself out of every coach out there because guess what? Football coaches lose games. College football teams don't play well every single week. Even if you are the best of the best, you're not consistently great. I think Georgia had a rough game. I didn't see a whole lot of that game yesterday. It's not like Georgia had a rough time putting away Kentucky uh, yesterday uh, You know, in that contest. So, it's, again, I, I don't get too far off into the weeds of – oh, we don't need to get this guy because look at what this game was. You can cherry pick and you can do all that stuff. But I do think it's interesting that that happened to Ole Miss and that happened with Lane Kiffin during the week that 
that they just had in terms of the speculation about this job and what is about to come up next week. Like, what what do they do against State in the Egg Bowl? I don't know. Like, it's it, it's going to be fascinating to find out one way or another. And um, I would just caution anybody, whether it's Lane Kiffin, whether it's, you know, any of the – a mystery big-name candidate, whether it's a guy like Hugh Freeze. Like, I, I would caution in saying, like, hey, you can cherry-pick results. It's more about the overall body of work and what you can do and – and where, where that could actually fit into the Auburn sphere, I should say. I'll just add, if you think I've once again got my tinfoil hat on because people love to hate my beautiful Auburn boys, we are seeing the take of who has Lane actually beaten. Uh, does he have a good win? Which is somewhat fair. Um, he doesn't have a major scout. Also, they won double-digit games last year at Ole Miss. Uh, something that just doesn't happen very often. So, like, I'm not surprised that they haven't beaten Alabama since he's been there. And it's like they're in a spot to win nine games this year. Um, so, again, it's it, point. you know, I, I don't know. Like, yes, I understand he has an unseated Alabama. Um, they they look bad in that LSU loss this year. But also it's like, well, mm-hmm. <laughs> when you look at the way those two teams recruit, uh, I don't know if that's completely shocking news. I think somebody pointed out this week that uh, Tommy Tuberville was 0-4 against Auburn before taking that job. And we obviously saw what, you know, Tuberville was able to do at Auburn um, for a while. So, like, yeah, it's you have more resources, you have better access to talent, X, Y, Z, at Auburn than you are at Ole Miss. That's just bottom line. Now, I think the gap's narrowed, and I think, I think uh, Kiffin deserves a lot of credit for that. Uh, but... Yeah, it's 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 just a different ball game for sure. All right. Let's take care of some business before we switch over to basketball. First off, hello. Thank you for listening to this podcast. If you like this podcast and you want more of it, you can tune in to uh the other one we do during the weeks, Painter and myself, where we uh do a midweek podcast where we either recap the latest basketball games and or preview the upcoming football games. Probably only got one more of those to do, but those, the podcast, the premium podcast will still come out, um, you know, in the midweek. So the only way you can get twice as much of this show is if you subscribe to the Auburn Observer. It's a six dollars a month or sixty dollars for the full year to get all of our stuff, all of our newsletters, all of our podcasts emailed directly to you as soon as they go up, um, six a.m. Uh, Central Time most mornings, and uh, we've got a whole lot of it between football and basketball with the seasons overlapping, with the coaching search, with what's going to happen in December and January. It's gonna it's, it's the best time to sign up for sure. Uh, and you can give gift subscriptions to folks that are hard to shop for. Um, if you have an Auburn fan in your life that you think would enjoy the stuff we talk about on here in written and in more audio format, go to auburnobserver.com, sign up there. Uh, you give gift subscriptions and all that good stuff, and we'll be doing some more stuff here over the next few weeks as we get closer to uh, to Christmas and um, got some deals possibly lined up for y'all in the near future. But armreserver.com, check it out there. You can also help us out by uh, doing what, Painter? For no money. We will ask ask for no more extra money to do this. Rate, review, subscribe, slash follow, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, do your thing. 15, 20 seconds, 
write a little review, a couple of words goes a long way, five stars, all that jazz. You know the deal. We'll read it if you uh, if you're so kind to to leave a review. We appreciate you. Yeah, if you give us a, a review, uh, we will read it on the air. Don't have any new ones to read this week. A lot of you have been doing uh, these reviews here in the last few months, and we appreciate that. It always helps us out, gets more people to find the podcast, gets more people to listen to the podcast, which gets more people to subscribe to the Observer, which means Painter can uh, you know buy more hats, and that's what we all that's all what we're all going for here. Not hats, but. We can also tell you about a good way to buy the most comfortable clothes you're going to find anywhere, and that's from our good friends at homefieldapparel.com. Homefield Apparel is the number one place to get vintage, vintage collegiate apparel. We're talking the best uh, logos and designs you're going to find for your favorite teams um, like Auburn uh, on the most comfortable T-shirts, hoodies, sweatshirts, all that good stuff that you're going to find anywhere. Uh, it's already Black Friday, baby. I don't know if you know this, but the holiday season, the shopping season, it, it don't it don't slow down anytime. If you use the promo code Black Friday, you get twenty percent off of your entire order at Homefield Apparel. Period. You know, doesn't doesn't matter. So you want to get those orders in early. Let me tell you, folks, if you get those orders in early, you can guarantee that your gifts will be in your residences by the time. Christmas or your gift giving seasons roll around um, because we all know it shipping supply chain words that people at Auburn would know, but not me. They've got it. Uh, they can get it taken care of. The, er, the early bird gets the home field as, as the old saying goes. Uh, but yes, uh, the home field black Friday sale uh, is already underway. It ends next Sunday. So you have a whole week to get your home field shopping done like I said, Black Friday is the promo code. It's the biggest discount Homefield does all year. Things are going to sell out. Shipping carriers are going to get loaded up. You need to go ahead and get that done. So for your Auburn fans in your life or other fans of other teams, go to homefieldapparel.com. You can also buy the official Auburn Observer T-shirt and be the envy of all your friends and family. Homefieldapparel.com. Uh, like we said, this is going to be uh, their uh, – Black Friday sale goes from now to Sunday, so get on board with that. All right, now that we're almost an hour into the podcast, let's talk about Auburn basketball. We need to talk about the Tigers' hoops. Uh, they they have shoot. Well, yes. However, 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 asterisk, however, asterisk, I'm going to be the complainer on the podcast. Ferg yeah. is going to give you counterpoints. Well, I mean, okay, so they shot well against Winthrop. And they didn't shoot well against Texas Southern. I I think you're going to have more of the maybe there are going to be nights that it falls. I think this team could still kind of push to a point where they get to be kind of an average three point shooting team. Um, you know, on let's see, on Friday night. Okay, so first off, Friday night Auburn beats Texas Southern seventy two fifty six. Again, not sexy, not a whole lot of style points here. But um, a really, really good win for Auburn against the Texas Southern team that has already beaten Arizona State this season, um, that has a track record of knocking off bigger, bigger name opponents, um, including some that are ranked. It was a fine. It was a fine win for Auburn. It showcased a lot of what this team is is going to be this season. Auburn shot twenty six percent from deep. Again, I just if they could just hover around a 35 percent. 
more often than not, they will be fine because the team's depth and their defense is going to take them so, so far. And the depth is just even bigger on display. No Jani Broom in this game. I think that affected Auburn, especially in the first half. Shooting the ball, Texas Southern's got a really good physical uh, perimeter defense. They double-teamed Wendell Green. They really, I mean, Johnny Jones did a good job of creating a game plan and said, hey, that guy right there is not going to beat us. So not a great game for Wendell Green Jr., but it didn't matter as much in the long run because Auburn had Chance Westry that they could deploy. They had Trey Donaldson out there as well. And it's the depth of this team. It's the depth of this team. Again, if you come into this season, the two starters that caught everybody by surprise the most were, I would say, Chris Moore and Jalen Williams. Chris Moore with the fact that it was over Allen Flanagan. Jalen Williams for the fact it was over a five-star in Yohan Treor. Side note on Treor. Remember, guys, he's still newer to basketball. He's brand new to college basketball. It's going to take him a little bit while longer to get going than the average five-star. He's not Jabari Smith. He's got the potential to be really, really good someday, uh, and I think someday soon, patience with him. Again, I've compared him to kind of a supercharged JT Thor. I think that's going to be kind of the the track he's going to be on, so keep that in mind uh, with Yohan. He had a tough game against Texas Southern. He's going to be fine long-term. But Jalen Williams and Chris Moore played really well in this game. Jalen Williams, 14 points, 8 boards, 4 assists, 4 steals, 2 blocks. An all-around great, efficient game from him. Hit some big shots when Auburn needed to. Did some of everything. And it was just like, you got that out of Jalen Williams. And then meanwhile, Chris Moore, 3 of 4 from deep, 14 points. It was the first time he'd scored a double digits in over a year. Seven boards from Chris Moore. Didn't miss a shot in the second half. Played extremely well. Fan favorite. He's he shot the ball really well this season for Auburn. And again, he's on the floor because he works the best with Zepp Jasper. And Katie Johnson works the best with Alan Flanagan. You know, and, and that's how kind of the, the whole thing works out. That Auburn, I, I think I saw Nate Oates write this quote, or have, write this quote, have this quote earlier this week. Um, where he talked about like, hey, we're gonna play nine ten deep, and it might our starting five might not be our best five. It might be our five that it might be a five that works best together, but now it might not be our five best players. Think you're seeing that with Auburn? Katie Johnson comes off the bench in this game. He scores sixteen. That Panda, that six man role for KD looks really really good, and he's kind of he's kind of applied what we thought he could be this year to this role, which is all right. You're not going to have to start, but you can just be a maniac. And this team, again, this looks like a hockey team. They they do these line shifts, and it's like when you come out on the floor, you go all out. As Chris Moore said, and he said very politely, excuse my language, he said we got we got to go balls to the wall. And like that's that's the that's the that's the thing about this team. They they are going all out, and I think it unleashes Katie Johnson. I think it makes Auburn more dangerous um, with when you pull a guy like Allen Flanagan off the bench. Uh, again, offensively, not a fantastic game from that from those guys, but Allen's defense, Allen's rebounding, really, really stood out. This team is is dangerous, and they can get hot quick. And it's because of their depth, and it's because of the pl- what, fact that they play so fast and so physical for these stretches that you have it like. Texas Southern takes the lead early in the second half, and then Auburn goes on a 14-2 run. They later go on an 8-2 run, then they go on an 11-0 run late. They can just blitz you, man. They can just blitz you. And this is not a team that's going to bury you in three-pointers and 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 run it up that way. 
Instead, this is going to be a team that's going to bury you in forcing turnovers, getting out in transition. Auburn ran exceptionally well in this game. They took long rebounds. They got turnovers. They got out and run and ran. And uh, I thought Wendell Green Jr. was going to be the only guy audacious enough to try the try the backboard alley oop this season. Nope, Katie Johnson's got one of those for you. And what a what a dunk that was him and him and Alan Flanagan. It's that's going to be the style of this team. This is going to be uh, that way. And again, it's not sexy. It's not going to get you a lot of. It's going to get you a lot of style points. It's not going to help you out in Kim Palm or anything like that. But Auburn's playing 10 or 11, sometimes 12 deep. They're experimenting with so many rotations, so many pieces. I think things will start to get tighter in terms of here's who's playing with who, when, and like that'll focus as they move forward and the, and the competition gets tougher. But I think Bruce Pearl said it best after the game panel. He said, the four games we had at home, I think we got better. I think we did what we needed to do. And again, they weren't pretty victories but they were effective, and I think Auburn learned a lot. Why is it? Why are they not as consistent on offense? I think it's because they're just moving guys around so much because they're trying to learn with these new guys and and some of these new pieces as much as they can. Auburn's defense is going to keep it in essentially every game. I think Auburn's streakiness, if you want to be generous, thus far, it's streakiness shooting the ball from deep will also probably keep some games close, even when you're the better team. What I'm most fascinated about now is how Auburn shoots away from Neville Arena because in past seasons they have shot the ball a lot better at home and now that's not unique to Auburn but for a team that is still trying to figure Mm. things out from deep and what's not a great number in an admittedly small sample size early into the season like is that going to get worse yeah that's a that's a completely fair question and uh Bruce said, how are we going to play away from the friendly confines is going to be a big part of that. And we'll talk about the Cancun Challenge here coming up. I think this game would have been different against Texas Southern if Jani Broom would have played. You know, you look at you look at how Auburn just struggled on the offense, offensive end. Look at how Texas Southern hung in there with some shots around the rim. Auburn, they just need to take more shots. They need to get more layups and dunks. They need to find ways to generate that more of that or these more of these paint touches and they didn't have a big rebounding advantage. They didn't have a point in the paint advantage in this game at all. And I think that's because Jai Broom wasn't out there. And when your shots aren't falling and things aren't going well, as we saw in the Winthrop game, there's a lot of value in dumping it down to the big man who is as skilled and as um, tested as an inside scorer as you're going to find in college basketball. He is old school. He is a, he is a, he is a, he's a throwback. And there's not very many guys like him in – uh, college basketball, and it would have made a big difference. I, Texas Southern, Johnny Jones is a great coach and, you know, did not work out at LSU in the long run, but he had great teams at North Texas. He's had Texas Southern into a dynasty uh, in, in the SWAC. They're pretty much the tournament champions every year. They're going to be really good. They're playing a brutal schedule. Again, Auburn wore, like with Western Kentucky football, they just wore a team that's played a lot of football out. They wore a team that's played a whole lot of basketball out. Uh, in, in the in the second half, that's what this team's going to do to a lot of teams. I think the game looks different with Broom out there. I think it's more comfortable for Auburn. Maybe they don't fall behind, uh, and it's not as much of a of a rock fight in the first half. That's kind of the that that's kind of the feeling that I got. But Dylan Cardwell 
for all, I mean, he's off to a great start on the defensive end, great start rebounding, and he's efficient when he scores. He's just not a guy who's going to give you a ton of volume on offense at center. Broom would have changed some things up a little bit, but it was good for Auburn that on a game where Wendell Green, who had been the consistently the best player of the first three games of the season, didn't really have it. It's guys like Jalen Williams. It's guys like Chris Moore. And the question is, I mean, this team is just different. This team's a lot different than the one that they had last season. It's going to be – like last season there was an element of like it can be anybody on any night, but you knew most of the time on offense it was going to be Jabari Smith, right? Especially when that kind of when, – when, when that kind of took over in SEC play. You knew it was going to be Jabari. Um, this team is going to be more of like I, – I think Alan Flanagan's a great example. Alan Flanagan only had five points in this game and played really well. Dylan Carwell had six points and was the leader in plus minus. Like there was a lot of value that these guys brought to the table that weren't necessarily – it's not necessarily on offense. But on offense, it's going to be spread out. It's going to be just who has it that night. And there's a lot of different weapons, a lot of different ways you, you can use that. I think Katie Johnson, his explosiveness, he's getting out and running more. He's more controlled on the fast break when he gets to the basket. He's drawing fouls. He's getting to the line. He's hitting some shots with confidence. That's a great role for him. And you get that smoother, kind of more consistent play of guys like Jalen Williams and, and Chris Moore early on, and they get rewarded in this game by hitting shots and, and making plays. Like it, It's just going to be some of everybody. And – yeah, I mean, Auburn's not going to get a lot of style points. People are going to look at him like on the outside and say, oh, is Auburn really that good? I, I think they are. I think that, I think this defense has potential to be better than they were last year because I, I think it's more balanced than it was last season. Um, and it's got good rim protection, but that's not all. I mean, they're 10th in the country right now in steal percentage. Second in block percentage. If they can just tighten up on the on the defensive glass and, get, and stop giving up as many of these – Offensive boards and some of these runouts that they're getting. I mean, this is this is a defense that's going to be terrifying. They have a, they've allowed sixty five points or fewer in the first four games, less than sixty points in the fir- in three of the first four games. This is a great defense to start there on. And again, we saw this last year with a team that had Jabari Smith and Walker Kessler and won the SEC championship. Defense will buy time for that offense because they had that they had that bad game against South Florida. Then they go in that marathon against UConn. And then go 62-53 with a really slow Loyola team. And then the offense started clicking. And then the offense kind of took a step back there in December. Then it got back going. The, like, there's going to be some of that stop-start nature to it. There's not a there's not a top-five pick on this team. There's not a top-three pick on this team. There's not a pure you know, generational sh- uh, you know, offensive talent like Jabari Smith on this team. But they're deeper. They're more experienced. And, Painter, another point point to make just like the football team, these guys are a lot better in the second half. And last year, how many times did Auburn come out of the gates in the second half um, and, 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 and lose a lead or fall further behind and have to kind of play up like that? They have been the better team really in the first four or five minutes of the second halves in all four games they played this year, and it's made a difference. It's either stretched out leads, it's taken control, or it's started comebacks like they did against South Florida and Texas Southern. That's huge. And according to Jalen Williams, it's like we're just more experienced. And I know, and I get I get your I get your fears and I get your trepidations. Like if they don't shoot the ball well on a consistent basis, it is going to limit the ceiling of this team. It's not going to make them a bad team. I'm not going to go with the same people who are like, well, this team's going to have a hard time making the tournament. I 
watch college basketball. There are a lot of good teams that, that you expect to be really good right now that are losing these games or having these closer calls because it's just it's there's something in the water right now in college basketball. I think two things are inevitable if the shooting doesn't improve grand you know, grand scheme of things. One, you'll you'll lose some close games against good opponents if you shoot, you know, eighteen percent from three. You'll probably lose close because the defense is good and you've got some other elements of the offense that are still good. The more important thing, though, than losing a close game on the road, let's say to a team like Tennessee or Kentucky because you couldn't knock down a couple of timely threes, is what you mentioned a second ago. When you get into a single elimination tournament and you go cold, well, we've seen how a really good team that what won 19 games in a row last year can have issues mm. Because the shooting just wasn't there for you that night. Do I think this is still a good team? Absolutely. Did I pick this team to win 24 games? You bet. And I still think that that's very much on the table. However, it'll probably cost you a couple of times. And it could cost you big time late in the season. And there's plenty of time for that to tighten up. And again, I think there's some of that offensive flow and some of that consistency that comes with there's just so much change out there and it's just, it's hard to kind of get in a rhythm like that, but it's, 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 I think it's Bruce Pearl taking advantage of the fact that he had four games at home to start the year. And it's like, all right, let's maximize it. Let's get these new guys into the flow. Let's get, let's figure out some things with their lineups. And then maybe things start tightening up. Maybe not. Maybe this will just be the way they play all year. And if it is, I don't think it's a bad strategy. I don't think it's going to cost them, you know, a chance at contending, um, we said what it is going recently. To look different. I mean, that, that team that got the season cut short a few years ago, it did not play a particularly sexy style of basketball, but it was a very effective style. And they won, what, 25 games? I think they went 25 and six that year. Yeah, it was, a, it was a really good basketball team. And this one's got a lot of those kind of vibes right now early on. So if you can go ahead and put it in your head, Auburn fans, that this is not the team from last year, that this is not the Final Four team, and that's probably more of that team, I think that I think you will be a lot more comfortable with the way this season goes. But yes, they have to shoot better. They have to shoot better. I do think it's good, though, that you've seen each of these guys kind of have good offensive nights, good shooting nights. It's just a matter of can you get more of them to come together, right? That's going to be the key. Uh, for Auburn, but I think there's also a lot of value in not being all on one or two guys. Because if it's all on one or two guys, and those one or two guys, like we saw with Wendell in the Texas Southern game, they get game planned out of it. They have an off night. You don't want it to be impossible to win at that point. Also, want to point out something: how shooting can be really fickle. So, uh, last week, Alabama plays South Alabama and Jacksonville State. By the way, no sarcasm here. Um, very good for Alabama to play teams in state should happen a lot more often and I know that always hasn't been the case uh, uh, with with that program especially in football but there's some basketball to it as well they go to South Alabama and they win 65-55 last Tuesday night didn't shoot the ball particularly well Friday night against Jacksonville State they hit uh, 21 three-pointers in that game and uh, and won 104 to 62 it's 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 up and down it's it's up and down and I think you're seeing that across college basketball but I do f- think that this Auburn team's got a variety of ways to win, and that is going to what's is what's going to make them valuable. It's going to be frustrating in the meantime. It can get better. It can get a lot better. But you know, don't 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 fret too much, Auburn fans. It's it's early, and I think this team's still trying to figure a lot of stuff out. Um, you know, here here at this point in the year. Uh, but yeah, really good. Uh, really good win 
to to have these couple of games against South Florida and Texas Southern where they have a close game and they get exposed in some things and they get some stuff that they have to focus on um, moving forward. But cut down the turnovers, um, improve a little bit on three points. I mean, this is going to be a really balanced, really fun basketball team moving forward. Speaking of moving forward, they are in Cancun for the Cancun Challenge. Um, not the most star-studded lineup in the world, uh, but a game for Auburn – games for Auburn, I should say, that um, could be pretty valuable. You have a top 150 team uh, – top 125 team, I should say, in Ken Palm and Bradley, the Bradley Fighting Braves. Uh, they uh, – Auburn will play Bradley on Tuesday. A quick word about the Bradley Braves – um, Bradley lost, uh, you know, opened the year against a, uh, 9D1 team and one big lost by 22 on the road against Utah state. And then they have had two pretty comfortable wins over Eastern Michigan and Southeast Missouri state. The last two games, not really a team, you know, hasn't really been challenged outside of Utah state. Auburn will be the best team they've played this year to this point. This is a team that uh, slows it down a little bit on offense more than usual, or more than most teams. Um, pretty efficient. Um, not a not going to light you up from deep, but a pretty efficient on offense, pretty efficient on defense, balanced team. Uh, teams have been able to hit um, a good number of three-pointers on them uh, this season, a good percentage of them. But uh, in D1 games this year, Bradley has – like Auburn, forced a lot of turnovers, gotten some blocks in play as well. Steals, I should say. Steals and blocks, not as many non-steal turnovers from the way they do it. Um, this is a team that is got a few seniors uh, in their starting lineup. Uh, got got two, yeah, it looks like two seniors in their starting lineup, a couple of upperclassmen. Um, not overly tall, not overly experienced. I, I mean, this is just a solid mid-major team. Uh, last season, Bradley went 17 and 14 under Brian Wardle. Um, they would have made the NCAA tournament in 2020 in the season that got canceled. Uh, they made it in 2019. Um, so this is, it's just a solid mid-major team. And I think uh, along the lines of a George Mason, very similar, I think in terms of, uh, style, well, not style, but in terms of prestige to George Mason, um, and, you know, I again, their defense can give you some troubles. Uh, Utah State, when, uh, when, when Bradley played Utah State, uh, Utah State hit a ton of threes in that game, hit a ton of free throws, uh, did a great job on the defensive glass. So that's going to be something that you have to keep in mind. It should be a game that if Auburn plays their game and balance it out, should play well. Uh, Kempom hasn't projected to win by 12. That's about where the line's going to be. I think if it's closer than 12, it's one of those games where it's like, okay, you got in a fight. Um, how did you come out with it? Um, if you win by, you know, if you win comfortably, I think that would be a really good win, especially with it being away from home, especially, you know, shooting in a in a venue that you're not used to. That will be very big for them. And additionally, Wednesday night, Wednesday night they will play either Northwestern or Liberty. Uh, those are the those are the two teams Auburn could end up playing in their second game in Cancun. Uh, a little quick look at them. Northwestern undefeated. This is a pretty good start to the season for Northwestern. They are four zero under Chris Collins, beating Chicago State, Northern Illinois, at Georgetown, and then I beat IPFW. Um, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna shock you here. I'm gonna shock you here. A Northwestern basketball ta- team plays good defense, plays a slow offense, and shoots a lot of threes. Stunning. They're gonna look like a lot of mid-major teams, but they do it with high-major talent and coaching. They share the ball really well. By the way, Auburn had a ton of assist in that game against uh, Texas Southern. That's something that Northwestern does really, really well. That would be a very good – I mean, that would be a near a top 50 team for Auburn. be the best team they played all year if they get Northwestern. So you got to keep that in mind. If they play Liberty, Liberty, um, not the greatest start to the season for Liberty, a team under Richie McKay that has been – um, consistently one of the best teams coming out of the Atlantic Sun, team that uh, plays slow but shoots a lot of threes, hits a lot of threes. I think you're going to just get one of those no matter what uh, in, in the second round if you're Auburn. They got absolutely blasted out of the out of the gym by Alabama uh, by 34, 36 uh, in week one. They beat North Carolina Central by 16 and then lost to a – to at home to a Southern Miss team that is not particularly great. Um, so keep that in mind. Uh, Liberty's defense has gotten torched early in the year uh, against D1 opponents, um, giving up a lot. So, again, it's kind of a – if you play Liberty in the second game, it's more of a defensive uh, – def, you know, attack that defense. If you play Northwestern in that second game, Northwestern's a better team on the defensive side of, side of the floor. Um, yeah, this – it's really weird. Liberty's got a lot of experience coming back, and they sh- and and they have a style that usually gives a lot of teams trouble. They just haven't done that yet. Northwestern, on the other hand, tall team, experienced team, bringing a lot back. Auburn's going to be a deeper team than them, but it's going to be kind of the style. So, be an interesting couple games in Can- in Cancun. It's not UConn and Loyola and Syracuse that you're playing this time around. It's not the Maui field, um, but this is not a bad. This is not a bad field. Not a terrible field. Uh, if Auburn can take care of business against Bradley, whoever comes out on the other side of that uh, is, is going to be an interesting matchup for Auburn for sure. Keep an eye out for Bradley's mascot, Kaboom. Bradley's mascot's named Kaboom? With an exclamation point in the name. It's a gargoyle. Interesting. I guess they were like, we can't have a correct Native, Native American mascot. That's smart, but Kaboom the gargoyle. Makes okay. me think of uh, Parks and Rec. Yes. <laughs> yes. One of the few good early season episodes of, of Parks and Rec. Uh, I will I will give them credit for that one. So, yeah, we will have coverage of Auburn's uh, Auburn's time in Cancun. I'm not in Mexico. I'm not going to Mexico. Not, not this time. I'm going to the West Coast, but I'm not going to Mexico. Um, I will be in an undisclosed location in the mountains of North Georgia. That sounds cozy. Tanner, what? That sounds nice. Can I come? Are you uh what what are what are y'all doing for Thanksgiving? I'll be stuffing y'all? my face in parts unknown, trying to stay warm, baby. There you go. That's the way to go. Um, so we'll have coverage. Let's see. This week on the Observer, of a football newsletter on Monday and Tuesday. We'll have observations on Wednesday and Thursday from um, Auburn basketball's games in Cancun. So keep an eye out on that. Painter and I will do another podcast. Painter, I think we could maybe record late Wednesday night. Is that is that doable? Do we think that's doable? I might put that out on Friday. That might be that might be the way to go. No mailbag this week, just for timing and travel and holidays and all that. Uh, we will we usually take this week off. Appreciate everybody who asked questions for the hundredth mailbag. It was a whole lot of fun. Painter and I tag teamed on that one. Very very fun coverage over the weekend of the Iron Bowl. It's going to be a busy week, and then we shall see how long it takes for Auburn to have a new 
head coach named, and then rolling right into another big week of basketball. So super busy time of year. Sign up for the Observer if you haven't already. For those of you who are in the inner circle, we will talk to you guys uh, most likely on Friday. Uh, hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving. Uh, hope everybody stays safe in all the travel, especially with weather going on, uh, tough weather going on in a lot of places. And I uh, hope all of y'all enjoy time with friends and family and um, yourself and food and uh, whatever's going to happen in college football and college basketball. That's it. Painter. I don't know if you already said this, but uh, we'll have an FOTP soon after there's a coaching hire announce for those of you who okay. care about such a thing and also uh, go Auburn high.